0: Hey, what's up? Hello. Welcome to Sounds Book But Okay, a Sounds Fake But Okay book companion podcast.
1: We're an Arrow Ace Girl. I'm Sarah. That's me. And a bi-demisexual girl. That's me, Kayla.
0: Talk about all things to do with the chapter you just read.
1: On today's episode, family.
0: Hey, everyone.
1: We're back. Can you believe it?
0: Can you believe it? I can't. We're here to talk about family.
1: Family. Yes. Just... Just like in the Fast and Furious franchise.
0: Yeah, Kayla was very proud of her reference of the Fast and the Furious franchise. was
1: so pleased. I was so, so pleased with myself.
0: Yeah, it was kind of her proudest moment. So
1: Honestly, yeah, probably one of my shining moments in the entire book.
0: Yeah, so just take that in for a moment. Yeah, so if
1: you didn't like it, um, you're wrong.
0: Yeah, Sorry? your your opinion is wrong. <laughs> yeah, so get a load of that. Get a load of that.
1: Anyway.
0: Anyway, let's talk about the chapter.
1: Yeah, this chapter uh, was written. I think this was like the last. Yeah, this is my last full chapter that I wrote. Mm-hmm. And I had a hard time starting it. I like knew what I wanted to talk about, and I had like a little outline, mm-hmm. as I do. But. I had a really hard time starting it. And I remember I went to the library and I was like, oh, I'll like get out of the house and like try to be aesthetic and work somewhere that isn't my house. Yeah. And it did not work. (laughs) And so then I was like, "Okay, fine, I'll go home. So I walked home and it was super hot. But in the middle of walking home while I was like sweating, I was like, oh, shit, I've thought of it all. So I, like, made a voice note on my phone as I was just, like, walking home. Oh, man. What an experience. Yeah. And when I got home, I was like, okay, tippity-tappity-type. Well, that's good. So that was my experience writing it. Very fun times.
0: I'm just kind of looking at it now, and I feel like this was definitely your chapter, but I feel like there are a handful of things that, like, I contributed, but I feel like that's just because there were parts where you were like, I don't know how to transition (laughs) this.
1: I'm not good at writing transitions, and so Sarah did have to do them. And there's and
0: also when you're talking about um adoption and stuff, I remember I specifically wanted yes. to mention that adoption is for profit in the United States.
1: <laughs> yes, you did add that, which is a very good ad.
0: So, cuz not only is it expensive for the parents, but it's it's not even a non-profit endeavor for the people who are facilitating which is stupid
1: yeah it's um adoption is very messed up here yeah in the united States. certainly
0: i feel like it's pretty messed up a lot of places actually but
1: yeah that's fair do you have anything to say about your little my little tidbit even though this was yeah this is my chapter you had a tidbit in it instead of me
0: i did i remember you kept being like sarah
1: you need to write this yeah that's <laughs> Yes, I think what I said about most of the book.
0: (laughs) No, but like this was one of the last things I wrote for the book.
1: Yes. No, that's true.
0: Even though we had known the entire time that I was going to have to write this section. Yeah. I, I don't have a ton to say. I just I do have a really queer family and I think that's very cool, but it's also not standard and I wish it were. And I hope that my experience can, can show to people who maybe have had a wildly different experience that it is possible to build a family and a community where queerness is accepted and the norm. And maybe even that it's embarrassing to be straight. Who knows?
1: Yeah, your family is so wild how many queer people are in your family. Yeah it's like way it's what is it it's supposed to be like one in five or one in six or something it's more they than say that. <sighs> but yours is way more than that
0: yeah and i did i did want to mention the part about how as as queer as my family was they didn't know shit about the ace spec <laughs> And I think that's that's absolutely worth noting is that, you know, you can you can be surrounded by by queerness in so many ways and have them still not understand you if you are an A-spec. And I was very lucky in that the people around me were very open and they were like, yeah, I want to learn. Like, how can I learn what what tell me more? But not all queer people are necessarily going to be like that, which is super unfortunate but it just it is what it is and so I definitely did want to note that like you know even in those really queer spaces a lot of people just don't know about asexuality aromanticism the aspec lens and that's why it's so important that we talk about it
1: yeah absolutely I mean it's like um after Sarah's tidbit we have quite a few quotes from people kind of talking about like their experience being a spec in terms of their family um, and like their culture. And one of the people, Adriana talks about how um, she's from a very, you know, like liberal progressive family. That's like super supportive of the queer community, Mm -hmm. but she still doesn't like feel comfortable coming out because they don't like understand asexuality. So,
0: yeah. It's like we've said time and time and time and time again, it's it's a lot easier for people to understand being gay because they can be like, oh, you're just like us. It's just you feel attraction to the same gender, whereas asexuality in the A-spec totally, totally flips your world on its head and people have a lot more trouble wrapping their minds around that. Yeah. And accepting it.
1: Unfortunately true. Yeah. So for the, the next part of this chapter, like I just mentioned, we have, I don't know, what is this, like eight? nine quotes from different people kind of just talking about their family experiences, talking about like coming out to their family. This like is kind of an offshoot from the rest of the chapter where, you know, the rest of the chapter I'm talking about kind of family structures, but I really wanted there to be somewhere in the book where we were acknowledging the cultural differences that different aspects have and how that affects their experience, especially Mm -hmm. with like coming out Um, And the family chapter just like felt like the best place to do that. Yeah. Because often it is, you know, the culture that's passed down through your family that is affecting that. That's the most prominent in in
0: shaping and molding your mind and the people's minds around you.
1: Yeah. So I tried to, I don't know, I tried to get the most like diverse array of quotes that I could from the people who, you know, offered these up. Mm Mm-hmm just to try to get as many perspectives as we could cuz as Sarah and I said early on in the book like we have very particular and normative like experiences I think yeah. and like come from obviously like a very privileged cultural perspective so yeah yeah I just wanted there to be other stuff in here yeah and I
0: think you did a pretty good job I mean I'm glad that we got such a diversity of responses that we were able to work with yeah So once again, very grateful to all of the people who responded to our survey. Whether you made it in the book or not, you all shaped this book quite a bit. Yeah, for
1: sure. Another shout out I wanted to give to someone who shaped this book a lot, and particularly this chapter. Um, At the same time as we were working on this book, I was working as a research assistant for Dr. Megan Carroll, who is an asexual person. And she's like a professor and she does research on asexuality and she's at the time of recording this, at least still working on her project on um, researching asexuality in families. And so I was like transcribing interviews for her through my work. And so I was hearing a ton of different perspectives. And obviously, Mm -hmm. like, I couldn't reference those specifically for like legal reasons of how research works. Yeah. But just being able to hear so many different perspectives of so many people from diverse backgrounds, because Megan was really good about Making sure there was again a wide array of people really helped inform this chapter in particular because Megan is a like a sociologist of family specifically. So, shouts out to Megan because there are things that were added to this book at certain points because I heard about them through her research and I was like, oh, that's like a really good point. We should we should talk about that. So yeah, and like some of the questions we asked on the survey are like very similar to the questions we came up with for Megan's research survey. So I was like, "Mm, sorry, Megan, if you feel like I'm stealing from you. But so, yeah, big shout out to Megan.
0: Yeah. Shout out to Megan. I've never met you, but you seem lit.
1: (laughs) So true. So, yeah, like I said, the rest of this chapter is kind of I wanted to showcase similar to the romance and partnerships chapter, just show kind of a couple different structures. Obviously, We are not covering it all here. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to cover the ones that came up most often in the survey or that I've just seen most commonly talked about in the ASPEC community. So I was very proud of my found family section. I thought it was (laughs) so good. I mean, throughout it all, I just wanted to showcase the ways to build a family with and without children. Because as I talk Mm -hmm. about, as I kind of transition into this section of the chapter, one of the most common responses when you come out as asexual, I think especially to like family members, is them being like, oh, but I want grandkids. And how are you going to have a family? Which we obviously know like isn't relevant because asexual people often still have sex and can still have kids.
0: And there are plenty of aloes who don't have kids.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. So I wanted to talk about both the ways of like, Yes, you can still have kids and also that you don't have to have kids to have a family. Yeah. So, yeah, we see the return of David Jay um, and the return of polyamory. Yeah, there were a lot of more cool polyamory
0: stories. I just had I just enjoyed so much throughout this book reading about people's different experiences with polyamory. I think what we learned is that I need to read more about polyamory.
1: Well, do I have a book for you? It's the one that I already read as research for this book. Very fair. Yeah, I don't know. Like I I felt like we talked about in the friendship chapter when we first referenced David J. I felt kind of bad bringing him back and talking about him so much in this book yeah. because as we said he's overrepresented, but his Experience with his family is so interesting, and also just has gotten a lot of media coverage. So there's just a lot to pull from there. Yeah, uh, and Angela Ten- Chen did a really good job writing about it. Obviously, because mm-hmm. she's amazing. But so we just—I mean, we just had to talk about it. So I'm sorry if you're sick
0: of it. Yeah, in some ways, David J is the blueprint, not because he's the first person who did this, but because he's a person who did it so publicly so early on in the formation of the community and i agree that he often is overrepresented, but i think he's also a really good representative of how things could be different and how that actually Mm -hmm. looks and i think that is important to convey and i as much as i love david i i think he would absolutely agree that here's hoping in the future that there are more people like david who we can who we can talk about, who are public, about their experiences so that we don't always have to talk specifically
1: about David J. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, like you said, like David, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a parent and I'm not an expert on parenting, so <laughs> I can't say definitively that like he did a good job with this. But from the interview we did with him on our podcast, we mm-hmm. talked to him a lot about his family situation and just the intentionality he went about the whole process with Mm-hmm. And how long it took, like he, he knew he wanted to have kids, he knew he wanted to do it with other people, but he didn't rush into it. Like he spent years finding the right people, Yeah, you know, getting the intentions right. Like it's, you know, he did, he did go about it in just a really good way. So it is, it's just, yeah, it is a good blueprint. Like I would, I would highly recommend going to read Angela Chen's article, listening to that episode we did with him. If you want to, you know, hear more about it, it's super interesting. mm mm-hmm.
0: If you want to hear about his daughter's, at least at the time, love and appreciation for
1: what was it, metal music? Yes, she loved metal music. <laughs> so, yeah, it's very funny. I was also really uh, happy to get the quote from Jessica Shea. This is popping back before the David J section, but we love to jump around. <laughs> yes, yeah, sorry. Um, Jessica Shea is someone who was trying to be like a single mother by choice. She wanted to have a baby, didn't want, like, you know, didn't feel the need or didn't want to have a partner involved, which I just found super interesting because I think people often see like single motherhood, especially as a bad thing or a burden or something you want to avoid. So I was really happy that we got a quote from someone who's like, no, like, this is what I want to do. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, if you want to be
0: a parent and you have the right support system and you have – the resources to become a single parent I think there's no shame at all in doing that yeah I think so much of the shame that does come in our society comes from sexism <laughs> and you know the these taboos around divorce and being a single woman because you know in most cases of course it's it's the single mom it's it's you you less often hear about single dads because they don't have the same expectations in fatherhood as you do in motherhood and you know the only times when single moms are more pitied is like oh her husband died or oh you know maybe her her husband is in the military and he's not often home so she's not really a single mom but yeah i think in our society those situations are quote unquote okay and so i see no reason why that can't also be applied to other situations and it's really just about destigmatizing single parenthood and that's not to say that single parenthood is for everyone because it's hard parenthood is hard
1: yeah and i think i i made this kind of disclaimer a couple times in this book is that the at least america is not built for single parenthood you know like yeah jobs do not offer great maternity or paternity leave, childcare is incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's very difficult especially for people who don't have great financial means. And I think a lot of the stigma around single parents goes specifically towards people who like don't have the financial means for great childcare or yeah. maybe are people of color like a white single mother is going to, you know, is going to be viewed a lot differently than like a black single mother, which is really yeah. unfortunate. Yeah. Oh yeah, and speaking of going back again, speaking of polyamory, we had a quote from Cody here, fellow Jessica Kingsley uh author. Yes, we do. Cody is one of the few people I reached out to specifically and was like, "Can you please send us a quote?" <sighs> Because Cody is another person who's really open about his polyamory and like how it works for him and his family. I just think it's super interesting. So yeah, I wanted to show like real as many real life examples of it working as possible because it's, you know, it's easy to read about. It's kind of hard to imagine in real life if you've never really seen it, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. I did also find interesting when we were defining what metamors are. First of all, of course, word processors don't recognize that word <laughs> because <laughs> yes, <laughs> why would they? But second of all, I feel like I I almost want to say, didn't our publisher have a question about this specifically?
1: Oh yeah, when we were doing um, when we were going through our first, oh no, it wasn't metamorphs. It was a different word. It was the word compersion.
0: It was compersion.
1: There was, I think this was in the romance and partnerships chapter, so going back.
0: But I think it, it applies throughout.
1: You know, it does a- apply here, for sure. One of our quotes, someone talked about the feeling of compersion they got when their the two members of their polycule that weren't them would, like, have sex and they would feel compersion or, like, uh, a happiness for someone else. And, yeah, it was interesting. Our, when we were getting our copy edits back, our editor asked, like, what do they mean by this word? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to look it up to get the exact definition. Like I understood it in the context, but I was right. like, oh yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I've never looked up the real definition of this. Um, so that was really interesting. I
0: think I think with words like that, it, it was interesting. And like if we when we would Google them, it's like there isn't a good, clear, single definition. <laughs> and so we yeah. kind of had to collect different definitions from around the community and think about how people were discussing these things and how they were using these words and figure out the best way to convey it for our own purposes um which once again just shows how little representation there is of of so many of these different identities and ways of living and even on um, The World Wide Web, which has everything, you know, it's not always easy to find a clear, simple answer.
1: Yeah. And I think it was kind of difficult to do a lot of the definitions in this book, a lot of the um, like footnote definitions of Mm -hmm. micro labels and everything, because people define even people with the same, you know, label define it so differently. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I was for a lot of it. I was like, okay, I'm just going to try to find the most common one. And, you know, just kind of have to live with the fact that some people aren't going to identify with that definition. But mm. when you're writing a book and you're trying to educate, you know, it's you don't want to make too many caveats yeah. at the start. You, know? you,
0: you have to be broad in, in some situations, even when you'd rather not be. Yeah.
1: I think the last thing I had to say about this chapter was the, the final quote that we end on from Pip is, I think, one of my favorite quotes in the whole book. Pip, mm-hmm. this was the only quote of Pip's that we could find a place in the book to put it. But they they had a lot of really good Yeah, they answered, quotes. I think, like almost every question on the survey and all of their questions were so eloquent and so amazing. And I was really sad we couldn't find more places for them because they're just like a really good writer. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I just really, really enjoyed this quote. And I think it was a nice way to wrap
0: it up. Yeah. And I think, you know, talking about indigenous communities experiences is something that is often not discussed anywhere, (laughs) whether it's in this community or not. And so I think, you know, including that perspective is is really important. And it's 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 a really thoughtful perspective. And I appreciate it. And that's why we straight up ended on it.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like this. Just like I couldn't wrap things up. Better than that. Like I feel like it gets at so many of the points, kind of talking about mm. found family and just kind of the broad definition of family. I was like, I can't wrap it up better than this. Like Yeah, I, I remember kind <laughs> of
0: talking, I remember talking about that and being like, Well, should we add something afterwards? And we were like, What is there to add? <laughs> they did it. We would just be repeating what Pip said, and we would just Can be- Pip just
1: write our whole book for us.
0: <laughs> Pip, Pip, you should write a book maybe you really should maybe pip has already written a book and we're just ignorant Mm. (laughs) right uh but yeah we were just like look this is this this quote is perfect and that's where we're gonna leave it
1: so thank you pip yeah shout out but yeah i think that's i don't know i think that's all i have to say about this
0: i think that covers it well thank you everyone for reading and listening and we'll be back at you with the next chapter yeah only two more to go Oh. Okay, bye.